Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. In this podcast, we take a reading from Scripture each day. We look at the background material to that passage and also application for us. Once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Our reading today comes from Romans chapter 15, verses 8 through 13. Remember Romans 15, we're actually summing up the argument that began in Romans chapter 12. And I told you yesterday that this is kind of like a commencement speech. If you are graduating from Jesus University, well, this would be the commencement speech that Paul is giving to his graduates. And in this part of this speech, he stops and sings a song of praise, basically. In the middle of all this, he just says, let me just give praise for what God has done. Paul is going to weave together this colorful tapestry of Old Testament passages. He's going to quote five Old Testament passages in this little short section of teaching here. And the one common theme that he's going to try to pull out is the Gentiles have always been included in God's plan. Yes, salvation came to the Jews first, but it was always about the Gentiles being included in God's people. That the Messiah of Israel would end up being the Lord of the entire world. That the promises made to Abraham, if we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 12, we're told that a descendant of Abraham, the seed of Abraham, would bless the entire world. And we see that come to fulfillment in Jesus Christ. So the Messiah was always going to be the Lord over the entire world, including the Gentiles. And the minute I'll tell you why that's important in Rome in particular. If you remember, Rome is a church that is divided along the lines of Jew and Gentile. More than likely, Claudius expelled the Jews from Rome for a period of time, Claudius being the emperor. The Jews come back to Rome. And now they're having to to work these things out. How will Jew and Gentile get along in God's people in in the church? So Paul is a lot about unity. And what is that unity going to look like between Jew and Gentile? And why should they have unity? And so one thing I want you to think about as we're reading this passage today is Paul is making it clear to the Jews, hey, listen, you can't look down on the Gentiles because they're part of God's plan. And you know this from your own scripture. I mean, if you'd read your Old Testament, you'd realize that God had this in mind all along. And he's telling the Gentiles, well, you can't dislike the Jews, even if they've gotten on your nerves about kosher dietary food laws and holy days and things like that. Even if they've really got after you about that, you can't look down on them because they are God's covenant people. And through them, Through Israel came the Messiah and the fulfillment of the promises and salvation. So you can't look down on the Jews either. So he's really making a masterful argument where neither group can look down upon the other. And really what he wants them to do is sit down and praise the Lord Jesus Christ together in peaceful unity. So let's go to our reading now with that little bit of background and read the text. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order that confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. So, 
As you read through this, you get the gist of the argument. Christ became a servant to the circumcised. That would be the Jews to show that God was going to fulfill all these promises made before in the Old Testament. Now, what's interesting, what Paul does here that's really fascinating, is he quotes, and I think purposefully, from every section of the Old Testament. In the time of Paul, the Jews had divided the Old Testament into three sections. There's the law, the prophets, and the writings. And he quotes from Deuteronomy 32, Psalm 18, 2 Samuel 22, Psalm 117, Isaiah 11. So each section of the Old Testament is covered here. So Paul's argument is, man, this is comprehensive. I mean, when you look at the idea of the Gentiles being part of God's plan, this fills the entire Old Testament corpus. So you really can't run from this. This is not some weird esoteric quotation from one book in particular. This has been God's plan even from the book of Genesis. You could have pulled in Genesis 12 and made that point also. So this is a comprehensive plan of God that would always include the Gentiles. Now what's really cool is when he quotes Psalm 18, it seems like Jesus the Messiah is the one that's singing that psalm, according to Paul. Now there's this theory, James B. Jordan says that Jesus sings the psalms even today at the right hand of the Father. Now, I don't know if that's really what Paul's saying here, but Jordan makes that point and says, well, this means Jesus is the right hand ascended uh, with the Father singing these praises in the heavenly court. So if he is, that's pretty cool. If you think about it, Jesus singing these things even today. Now think about what he has done in this passage. Paul has summed up the entire argument of the book of Romans. Think about it. In this section, he has talked about justification by faith for Jew and Gentile, which is a big part of Romans. He's talked about the redemptive history of Israel and how Jesus sums all that up. So that's one of the major themes of Romans. He's talked about mutuality, this idea of mutually accepting one another and living together in harmony. And he's talked about mercy. And those four themes show up all over the place in the book of Romans. And he pulls all that together in this one section. But today I want to do something for you a little bit different to make this come alive. And I have a writing from an author who is an expert on the book of Romans. And he wants to just give you a hypothetical situation. Now this really didn't happen more than likely. But this is just a hypothetical of why Paul wrote the book of Romans. He's going to take you back in time to a house church setting where you had Jew and Gentile trying to worship in a small house church gathering and some of the divisions and things that would come up because of their differences being Jew and Gentile. So I want to read to you this section. This is from Michael Bird in his commentary on the book of Romans where he's talking about living out this story and why Paul wrote the book of Romans. So listen to what he says. Imagine a group of Gentile Christians in Rome perhaps a mixture of slaves and artisans, sitting at the back of a leather worker's shop one night, huddled around a candle, singing a hymn, recounting their day and sharing what little food they had. One of the slaves is a scribe and is able to read from a notebook a few verses from Psalm 69. Then in walks Herodian, a Jewish freedman who had returned to Rome from Alexandria some weeks ago. Herodian turns to Rufus, the leader of the house church, and says, Kirin Kai Irene, greetings and peace. Rufus has not seen Herodian for six years, 
when they had last met, there had been a ferocious debate about drinking wine. Herodian had visited Rufus's shop to explain why drinking pagan wine was wrong. It was defiled by its use in libations. So God worshippers must avoid it or risk God's judgment. Rufus wasn't convinced, and Herodian stormed off, cursing Rufus and his pagan drink. Now, however, Rufus looks at Herodian. He looks weak and malnourished. Perhaps his master has cast him out for his Christian faith. Everyone in the group looks at Rufus to see what he will do. Rufus rises, kisses Herodian on the cheek, sits him down, and gives him some bread and some few turnips, and pours him a cup of water. He looks at Herodian and says, Fagete gar tu altu curio esmen. In other words, eat, for we all belong to the name of the Lord. And that is why Paul wrote the book of Romans. So there you get a historical recreation of what it might have been like in a house church in Rome with Jew and Gentile trying to eke out a living, slave and free, trying to worship together and work together and labor in the Lord. With all that in mind, let's go back and read our passage one more time. This is Romans 15, verses 8 through 13. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness, in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the people extol him. And again Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. And today we close out our podcast with that prayer too. I want to read verse 13 again to you as our prayer for the rest of our day. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Well, I hope you abound in hope the rest of this day in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I hope to see you back tomorrow as Devin takes us further into Romans 15. God bless.